Welcome back to The Boy from Splendora, Texas by Wallace Gibbs. This episode is called The Puppies, which occurred in 1975. The Puppies by Wallace Gibbs. I sure am glad that it's Friday, I stated as Gina, Gail, Charlotte, Virgil, and I stood on our driveway waiting for the bus at our fence line. I'm not, Virgil replied back. Why not? I asked. Because today is spelling test day and I hate spelling tests, he responded. I don't, I said. I love to spell. I'm hoping to go to the UIL spelling bee later this year. I see the bus, Charlotte shouted. We all picked up our books and made our way to the end of the driveway. When is that other Samoy dog going to go home? I asked Gina. As soon as he and Snowdrop make some puppies, Gina answered as she stepped up into the bus that had ground to a halt in front of our house. How will they do that? I asked. When you get older, I will tell you. Now get on the bus. I'm coming, I managed as I stepped up into bus number six. I walked to my normal seat, which was three rows behind the bus driver. I leaned my head against the window and looked out as the bus made the rounds to pick up the remainder of the kids on our bus route and then made its way to the Splendora ISD campus. As we pulled into the school grounds, I could see four other buses that were disgorging their loads of children onto the school property. Jerry! I yelled as I stepped out of bus number six. Jerry followed his sister Tammy off bus number 10, the bus that went down North Tram Road. Jimmy, Jerry's twin brother, was right behind him. Hey, Jimmy, I said. Hey, Wallace, he replied back. Although Jimmy and Jerry were fraternal twins, Jimmy was in the second grade because he failed the first grade with Mrs. Dabney. Hey, Jerry began. We're going to play a game of kickball at recess today. You want to play? I guess so, I replied. I'm not very good at it. The last time we played, I kicked a fly ball and Stephen Graham caught it. That was the third out for our team and Darvin Myers really got mad at me. The secret is to kick it low and hard right between second and third base. Jerry instructed as he opened the door to the elementary school and we both headed to the cafeteria to wait to be collected by our teachers. That way you have time to run to first base before they can put you out. I'll be glad when this week is over, I said. This is the last week that Mrs. Huffman has morning cafeteria duty. I don't understand why she won't allow us to talk with each other. It's so boring sitting down being quiet for 45 minutes. I know, Jerry replied. I think that she hates children. Me too. Why would someone so old still be a teacher? She has to be at least 85. I thought that she was about 100, Jerry chuckled. She might be, I thoughtfully answered back. Boys and girls, boys and girls, Mrs. Huffman's voice came across the loudspeaker in front of the cafeteria. 
Please take your seats at your assigned table and work on your homework or read a book. I don't want to hear any noise coming out of this cafeteria. Groans were heard across the dining room as we all began to comply by taking our seats at the assigned tables. The cafeteria was huge. There were two main entrances to the cafeteria, one at the end of the first through third grade hallway and another at the end of the fourth to sixth grade hallway. The buses dropped you off at the south side of the school, so all of the bus drivers bus riders came in through the entrance closest to the first through third grade hallway. As you walked in, immediately on your left side was a short staircase, maybe five or six steps, that led to the school stage. On the opposite side of the cafeteria, near the fourth to sixth grade entrance, was another short staircase that was also used to enter and exit the stage area. Typically, the only part of the stage that was visible was a five-foot section that ran along the front of it. The rest of the stage was obscured by a red, velvety-type curtain that could be drawn back for school plays and presentations. As you followed the wall clockwise around the room, you could see an ice cream freezer on the north wall that was manned at lunchtime by a white-haired lady that was about as tall as Granny but much older. She might have been Miss Huffman's mother, but only nicer. As you continue to look clockwise, there was a set of double doors, each with a rectangular window. These doors exited out onto the playground. However, I had never seen them used by anyone. The only thing on the east wall was a clock that we all used to measure how much time we had left for our imprisonment during the mornings and our lunch period around noon. On the south wall, there were four doors. The first door was the entrance to the hot lunch line for the fourth through sixth graders. The second door was the exit for the fourth through sixth graders. Next came a window where you returned your trays after you finished with them. The third door was the exit from the hot lunch line for the first through third graders, and the fourth door was the entrance for the first through third graders. I can't wait till next year, Jerry said. Me either. We can go to the big kids' line for lunch. No more having to wait for the babies to get their food, Jerry laughed. I get to order lunch today, I excitedly whispered to Jerry. Me too. Jerry whispered back. The lunch menu says that it's hamburgers, french fries, and fruit, I whispered again. I love french fries, or maybe they will have tater tots instead. That would be awesome, Jerry muttered under his breath. Is there a problem at the third grade table? We heard Mrs. Huffman bellow across the PA system. Am I going to have to come over there? Jerry and I heeded this warning and opened our reading books. For what seemed like an eternity, we read our books and studied our spelling words. Finally, we heard, Would the first graders please meet Mrs. Dabney at the edge of the stage and form a single file line? Jerry and I put our books away and watched as the first graders complied and began to assemble. I saw Virgil turn and wave to me as he headed to join his class. I waved back. Would the fourth graders please head to your classrooms? 
Mrs. Huffman continued. That's another benefit of moving to the fourth grade, I reminded Jerry. We don't have to be collected by our teachers in the morning. And we don't have to walk in a single file, Jerry said. You're right, I had forgotten about that. Jerry and I waited patiently for the third graders to be called. Finally, we heard Mrs. Huffman announce, Would the third graders please meet Mrs. Lundry at the edge of the stage and form a single line? Jerry and I collected our belongings and made our way to the front of the cafeteria. Suddenly, we heard Mrs. Huffman say, Gordon Shaw and Michael Cater, do you need to join me in the principal's office? Then I suggest that you stop the horseplay and get back into line. Gordon and Mike quickly complied under the watchful eye of Mrs. Huffman and the entire third grade class. We all fell into a single file line and headed towards our classroom. We passed the four sets of double doors on our left side that Jerry and I had entered that morning. Next came the boys' restroom on our left, two drinking fountains, and the girls' restroom. On the right side we passed the music room. The next sets of rooms were the third grade classrooms. As the line moved forward, students began to file into the appropriate room. Miss Lundry's room was on the left, and Mrs. Huffman's room was on the right. A little further up was Mrs. Fritchie's room on the left, and then Miss Maloney's on the right. Jerry and I entered Mrs. Fritchie's room and took our seat. Mrs. Fritchie called roll. Only Cindy Burrell was absent. Mrs. Fritchie filled out the attendance slip with Cindy's name on it, opened the classroom door, and attached the slip to a clip mounted on the doorpost. As Mrs. Fritchie closed the door to the classroom, she said, I need for everyone to take out a piece of paper. Make sure to put your name on the top right-hand corner. You could hear paper rustling as each of us dug around in our school desk to get our notebooks out. I took out a black binder, popped the rings open, took one sheet of paper out, and snapped the rings closed again. Wallace, I heard Stephen Hansen whisper, can I have a sheet of paper? I'm all out. I reopened my binder, took out a sheet of paper, and gave it to Stephen. Thanks, Stephen said. You're welcome. I replied back. Please number your papers from 1 to 20, Mrs. Fritchie instructed. I wrote my name at the top of the page and began to number each row. Is everyone ready? Yes, ma'am, a couple of people replied. Your first word is tough. I quickly spelled out T-O-U-G-H on my page. Your next word is rough. Easy, I thought to myself, and quickly wrote R-O-U-G-H on my page. Your next word is through. Again, I was ready for this word as I spelled out T-H-R-O-U-G-H, as well as cough, brought, and all the other O-U-G-H words that we were asked to spell. As a bonus question, I would like for you to spell the word thorough, 
Mrs. Fritchie said, as she laid her list of spelling words on her desk. I had to think for a couple of seconds before I wrote anything on the paper. Thorough was a weird word, and I wanted to make sure that I got it right. All right, put your pens down and switch papers with your neighbor, Mrs. Fritchie commanded. Doug Larsdorf gave me his paper, and I gave mine to him. I'm going to spell the words back to you. If the word is misspelled, then mark an X next to it. We will count the points in just a minute. Mrs. Fritchie began to spell each of the words back to us. Doug had spelled all of his words correctly except for the word enough and the bonus word. I put an X next to number 12 and next to the phrase bonus word. Now, let's count up the score, Mrs. Fritchie instructed. If your person did not miss any questions and got the bonus questions right, then we will give that person a 105% score. If they missed one question, then write 95% on top of their paper. If they missed two questions, then a 90%. What if they missed the bonus question? I heard Cherie Thompson ask. If they miss the bonus question, it doesn't count against them. If they get the bonus question correct, then give them an extra five points added to their score, Mrs. Fritchie said. I wrote 95% at the top of Doug's page. How did I do? Doug whispered to me. You made a 95%, I whispered back to him. How did I do? You made a 105%, Doug answered. I hear talking, Mrs. Fritchie exclaimed. Doug and I straightened up in our chairs and faced the front of the classroom. I'm going to call out everyone's name. As I do, if you have that person's paper, then I want you to tell me what they made on their spelling test. Melvin Baugh, Mrs. Fritchie called out. 85%, I heard someone say. Valerie Boss, 90%. Morgan Burton, 85%. Mrs. Fritchie called every name using the same roll call that was used earlier in the morning. For those of you who made below a 70%, you will need to write the words that you missed 10 times each on the back of your test and then turn the test back into me on Monday morning. If you do that, you can get 10 extra points added to your test grade. That should allow you to get a passing grade, Mrs. Fritchie instructed. For those of you who pass the test, please pass your papers to the front of the row. Rhonda Fulton, Mrs. Fritchie continued, would you please collect all of the tests and bring them to my desk? Rhonda made her way from the back of the room and started collecting the tests from the person at the beginning of each row. Everyone in the room was quiet as we watched Rhonda collect the final set of tests from Janie Hood, who sat at the front of the road directly in front of Mrs. Fritchie's desk. We continued the morning with reading and social studies. Would everyone clear off your desk? I need for everyone that is ordering lunch today to form a line, Mrs. Fritchie instructed. I made my way to the classroom door and got in line right behind Jerry. If you brought your lunch today, then I want you to join the line, Mrs. Fritchie continued. Morgan Burton was at the front of the line. 
When Mrs. Fritchie instructed, he opened the door, made a right turn into the hallway, and headed towards the lunchroom. Like a very long caterpillar, the rest of us formed a single file line right behind him. Before Morgan could lead us too far, Mrs. Fritchie caught up with him, put her hand on his shoulder, and brought him to a stop. Boys and girls, if you need to go to the restroom, I would like for you to do that right now. For everyone else, I would like for you to wash your hands. If you are carrying your lunch, please set your lunch box or lunch sack on the floor. Please do not take your lunch into the restroom. I didn't have to go to the restroom, so I quickly made my way to the sink, squirted some soap, and quickly washed my hands. Jerry did the same thing. There were only two or three boys that needed to pee, so all of us were back in line before even half of the girls made it back. I leaned my back against the white cinder block wall and turned my head towards Jerry. I could see Mrs. Huffman's class exiting their classroom and was heading towards us. Can I be on your kickball team today? I asked Jerry. Sure, I'll put you in the outfield, Jerry responded. I'll put you in center field. Do you think that you'll be able to catch any fly balls that come your way? I think so, I answered. Morgan, Mrs. Fritchie interrupted us, you can now lead us to the lunchroom. This concludes The Puppies, Part 1, by Wallace Gibbs.